Hi, my name is John Gonzalez, and welcome to the Fitness Oracle. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about the secret of how to drop 10 to 15 pounds and keep it off with complete ease. I've created a free three-part video series for you that explains what the three biggest mistakes people make when they're working out and limits them to the results that they're going after. I am also going to help you get all the details about how you can immediately sign up to the 21-Day Caveman Challenge, which is a do-it-for-you workout program. This has been developed by me for over 11 years of my experience as a professional personal trainer. So go ahead, put in your name and your primary email address, click the link in the show notes below right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Harrison Penny from Authentic Process. He is the founder of the online platform Authentic Process, a platform that helps the nine to five worker reach their weight loss goals and change their daily patterns for the better. It is a template to help them lose four to six pounds in 30 days, adopt healthy daily routines while ending the course, while he ends the course with a future game plan, game plan for them to follow. Harrison, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me, my friend. Really, really excited to be here, actually. I've been thinking about this the last week, so yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited to have you on. So tell me, uh, did you ever get a chance to read the book, uh, 12 Rules for Life? I never actually read the book. Never actually read the book, but my brother actually gave it to me for Christmas. And he told me about uh, just a bunch of the sound bites and just all the wisdom in there. And um, actually hoping to crack it open pretty soon. It's kind of a thick book, but I'm someone that actually likes to read like two, three or four books at a time. So it'll probably be the fifth one. <laughs> Let's see. I'm actually... Um... Dr. Peterson's uh, one of his fans. I, I love Dr. Peterson's wisdom. I think he's a gem of this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Uh, so you were recently on another podcast, uh, Inside Out Alignment with Mary Tapa. How did that go? Oh, it was good. It was fun. Yeah, Mary's great. I was actually in a business course with her. Um, this was it probably ended like two weeks ago or so. And she was actually on my team with the business course because we broke up into two different teams. And she actually did the, she actually started her podcast. I think this is maybe like seven, eight or nine months ago. And so once we finished up the course, she said, Hey, you want to go ahead and, you know, talk about your fitness stuff and authentic process and your new programs and we can just have fun with it. And so we hopped on that and it was actually my first guest appearance and it was a lot of fun. It was cool. That's cool. Warming, warming me up. I want to do more of that because I wasn't sure exactly what to expect because I feel like my, uh, my instincts when you're going into an interview, when you're going into just kind of expressing to someone who you are, at first you're like, oh, what do I expect? What do I do? How do I hold my hands? What do I do? But it was so much fun, a lot more fun than I expected. And so that's why I'm pumped to be here with you, actually. That's great. Uh, yeah, I know uh, 
I don't know Mary, but uh, we were actually in the same program for the for the broadcasting stuff. That's so I know right. of her, but we haven't really connected yet. That's coming. Right, right. Uh, it's interesting because in the podcast, because I did listen to the podcast, you did talk about resistance. Now I wanted to ask you: Do you think that resistance is similar to fear? And if so, how? If not, why not? I think it basically is the same thing. Resistance, I feel like it's not really real most of the time. It's just something that we induce in ourselves. It's something that we put in front of ourselves to hold ourselves back and just to wait. And so I think one of the points that I touched base on with Mary was identifying your resistance before you do something that you've never done before or before you do something that you know is gonna cause you to have some setbacks, cause you to have some fear, um, and so if you can identify your resistance in the very beginning of doing anything, let's say you might, maybe you're starting a business, maybe you're starting a relationship that you haven't, um, started in quite some time. It's been some while since you've got back into the game. What is going to be your biggest resistance? Is it the time? Is it, uh, um, you know, work obligations? Is it, you know, if you can identify your resistance now before you hop into something, what I've come to realize is that you can plan on how you're going to get around it when it arises. So when you feel those feelings of resistance coming on before it happens, then you already know how to execute it. Does that help? Yeah, it does. Um, because you being a personal trainer, uh, me being an, an ex-personal trainer, ex because the gyms here are closed still, but anyways, that's a different story, not for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, you and I both understand that when people actually, before they sign on with us, there's a lot of resistance that is, that is tied with the fear of I'm going to be dumping X amount of dollars with this person. Do I really want to change? How would you go about like, you know, like helping somebody like that get over that kind of resistance and fear? It's funny. Um, one of my best friends, we were talking about this. So, you know, when people come on board, when it comes to personal training, most of them, I'd say 95% of them. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's just like all of us. When we're starting something new that we feel like is going to change our lives, we get really excited. All that energy is built up into you. And so at some point they hit that wall, which normally tends to be about a week to two weeks later where they start to lose motivation. Okay. Now we think that's more of a, it's kind of like a gimmick. It's not really real. You know, you don't, when you wake up in the morning, you don't lose motivation to brush your teeth. Most of us, right? Now you're, it's, it's not necessarily motivation. It's just a block that you're putting on it. It's something that you haven't uh, instilled in yourself to doing yet. And so what we've seen a lot of is cause you know, working in uh, tons, I've worked in seven different gyms before I went independent and running space from a gym. And so I've sat down with realistically probably five to 600 people at least. And um, about a week and a half to two weeks in, we have to really change the way that we approach them coming into the gym and we going about their programs because they start to lose that motivation. And the best way that we would get over it, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. It really just depends their learning styles. But um, it kind of goes back to that resistance. It kind of goes back to those, those blocks itself. Now, <clears throat> One of the biggest things that I do with the program that I have now with an authentic process, lose weight with little to no cravings, is giving people 
within the six modules that are in the course, because it's a 30 day course, six modules. So five days, each module, five times six, 30 days. And so if you give yourself small increments in the beginning to do, then your mind naturally wants something to reach forward to. So if you give it small things, small increments, it's going to start reaching. But if you give it something really big, then mentally you put that thing on a pedestal and it makes it very hard to grasp. So if you start with small increments, it builds you up to those small things. And what's the best part about that program is that it goes with your work schedule for someone that works a nine to five job, because if you are slowly reaching for that thing, you're doing it in such a comfortable manner that's changing your relationship with that thing is it's slowly building off that motivation for you rather than you getting super excited in the very beginning, you're on that frequency, you're on that vibration, and then you fall on your face two weeks into it. So when it comes to motivation, you want to more so be realistic with yourself and taking the glamour out of it. Now, what I mean by that is that when you can reach a goal, let's say you want to reach a goal of acquiring $50,000, or you want to reach a goal of finally getting that six pack that you had when you were in, I don't know, eighth grade, I don't know, 12th grade. And um, I feel like a lot of the reasons why we have a very hard time reaching a goal, and I guess you can use a, a six pack or an eight pack as an example, or attaining that 50,000, like I mentioned, we keep putting it on such a big pedestal and there's so much glamor to that one goal that we have. But if you can be realistic with the goal and realize that once you finally attain it, it's gonna at that point become part of who you are. And it's not that all the excitement's gonna leave, but it's gonna become naturally who you are. And it's just more so comfortable. After about a week, two weeks, or maybe even three weeks of you acquiring what you want, it's part of who you are and that glamor is gone. So I think with the motivational blocks, it's like I said, identifying the resistance, um, progressing yourself in something smaller, and then I taking the glamour out of it. That's awesome. Uh, we are going to go into more detail with your authentic process program. Yeah. Because there's a lot that uh, I actually am really curious about. I'm always curious about other trainers programs because it's, uh, it's fascinating to get another perspective on the fitness industry because it's just so huge in so many different points of view. But before we do, what I do want to get into is uh, a little bit more about yourself. You moved to, you're in California, so you moved there. So what was that driving force that actually made you move to, uh, to Cali? Pretty long, um, great story. Let's hop into it. So moving from Kansas to California, John was definitely my way of solidifying a world of self-discovery. When I moved to California, I was moving away from my mom and my brother, um, moving away from the friends at that point that I felt like might've been a little bit toxic for me. I was partying a lot. I was just really trying to express myself through very negative, uh, just down habits and patterns. And so <clears throat> when I moved to California, I knew that I was going to go ahead and, and start reading a lot. I was going to try my best to start meeting people, uh, just newer, um, more aware people, people that were just more so experienced with life and just had more of a vision for themselves. And I took the ACE course, the ACE course to get certified as a PT. It took me just about a year to finish up and everything. And so I got that roughly a year after moving there because I started it maybe just a couple months after moving to California. And so at this point, as of January of this year, I've been here for about five years and it's been quite the ride. You know, I, where would I even begin with that? I 
had made this decision within myself to just expand who I was, like I said, go down that path of self-discovery. And with the reading, with meeting tons of people, I, I guess, how would I explain it? <clears throat> had expand myself in such a way that I, I knew that I wanted to build a business. I knew I wanted to just um, keep moving in that direction. And so fast forwarding up until now, it's been quite the ride, man. You know, I ended up working for like seven different gyms at one point. And, um, you know, hopping around certain gyms, the reason why I had to work in so many different gyms is because when you're getting promoted within certain gyms, and at this point, I was no longer a personal trainer, I switched on to the management side. And so when you're on the management side, you have to switch gyms. And so I switched up to about six or seven different gyms. And what was crazy is that um, this is probably about a year and a half to two years into me being at LA Fitness. Uh, there was this meeting that was occurring every Friday. So it was about four to five times a month. And it, we would normally go over management questions and just kind of go over the to-dos that we had to do in the club coming up in the next week. And so during that process, uh, I remember driving from Hemet to Marietta to go to this team meeting. There's maybe 18 to 20 or so of us at this meeting. And The vice president for the club at that point, you know, we were sitting there for like 10, 15 minutes going over a handful of questions and just talking about what we were going to be doing coming into Monday and Tuesday. And she goes, hey, you know what, let's go ahead and play flag football. And so uh, this is just one of the many crazy experiences that I've had since being in California. And so we go to go play flag football at a park, maybe like a mile away from the club. And long story short, 10 to 15 minutes into us playing football, I landed on my heel wrong and tore my meniscus and ACL. And that I've never really broken anything. I've never torn anything and I've never gone through like a setback like that. And the only thing that was really running through my mind is what's going to happen with work. Am I going to be able to train people? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to drive? Cause it was on my right knee. And so uh, at the time I didn't quite realize that the ACL was torn or the meniscus. I just knew something was instinctively wrong. And so um, I ended up driving myself to the hospital that day <clears throat> myself and this is on my my driving leg and so get to the hospital they check it out they do the MRI I don't think they got the results back for like a day or two and they realized that the meniscus was torn and so there was about a two and a half to three month time frame and where I was still able to work but I was on crutches and I wasn't quite able to run anybody through some workouts because at the time as the fitness director that I was at the club over in Hemet uh, my goal was to meet the newer members or meet people on the floor, run them through a handful of workouts and really just kind of get to know them and meet them where they're at, um, understand if they want to lose weight, put on muscle, um, dial things down when it comes to new, their uh, nutrition. And I wasn't able to actually physically run them through the workouts. I would just have to get to know them and just try to go through that process. And so before the injury actually happened, I... You know, I was living on my own in Temecula. I was very comfortable in my life, had amazing friends, just financial standpoint was pretty good. And my life was just clicking in a lot of different areas. And what I didn't realize after the injury that had happened was that there was a couple people that came up to me within like a, a week time frame, like our six, seven day time frame. And they said, Hey, you, you feel like you're I feel like you're changing a little bit. You're kind of going down. You're kind of they didn't say this, but what they were getting at is that I was slipping. And so that was kind of my realization that um 
and I was kind of going downhill from there. And again, I, br I bring this story up right now, John, because this is just one of the probably five or six experiences that have happened since I've been here at California. And it's been one of those tipping points, one of those pivotal moments that's caused me to really sit back and think about what I'm doing, reflect on it and shift it if I need to. So I know I said long story short a second ago, but one more long story short thing. So after the injury had happened, about three months later, I took the first surgery or I got the first surgery. And I was expecting to be out of work for about three or four months, right? When they went and did the first surgery, they woke me up. They said, hey, the surgery went great. You reacted very great to it. You have you know, good bones, good, good muscles and everything. But your ACL's torn. We didn't quite catch that on the MRI. It looked like it was attached, but it was actually unattached. I said, okay, so what are we thinking here? They're like, well, we weren't able to actually repair it. We're going to have to go ahead and wait for the meniscus to you know, take its course and heal. And then in about four or five months from now, when it heals, we'll go ahead and do the ACL surgery. So that was about a 10 month time frame before the first surgery and up until the healing of the second surgery where I was not working at all. And I wasn't physically able to work. So I took that 10 month period to, I was in network marketing. I had an amazing mentor, had amazing friends. I read like 30 books during that time. And that was kind of my awakening. That was my awakening period. And it allowed me to experience and see that I wanted to build something of my own. I wanted to swerve away and, and, and show people and express to people that through those trying times comes the most beautiful thing in your life. And we are going to get more into the injury in just <laughs> a little bit. I still want to focus on the early days of you right. in California right. because moving from one state, like, you went from Kansas, which I'm assuming is like kind of like medium size America to somewhere like California, where it's like, like, go, 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 go. It must have been like a giant culture shock to you. At first it was, it was kind of, it was like that feeling that you get when you go into your first job or um, starting a new job. Nothing's familiar. You don't know anybody. The roads are different. The walls are different. You don't really know what to expect. And so um man how would i explain that going back to that reflecting back that it's pretty pretty surreal it was different and i'll be honest with you john to be completely honest moving from kansas to california it felt like and i know i was 21 so i was young and i just wasn't being patient with myself but it felt like my last resort because i had no idea who i was i had no idea what I was going to do. I wasn't sure where to go. I wasn't sure which first step to take. And so I realized the best part about that realization and reflecting back is that I had no plan going to California, but I just had this, this knowingness, this instinctiveness that if I just keep going in that direction of trying to find out what I want to do and find out more of who I am, it's going to work out. And so coming here, I ended up reading a lot of books, like I mentioned to you, meeting a lot of people, um, my dad and I didn't quite have the relationship back then that we have now because um, my mom and him, they separated when I was really young. So I would only get a chance to see him once a year, if that sometimes. And so I also noticed that coming to California was my way of kind of healing those childlike wounds, uh, it, which was something that I feel like was necessary for me to kind of get to the point that I'm at now. And if I didn't have that that childlike wound healing, that shadow work, I guess, if you will, that, that subconscious um, exercise, um, 
then I probably wouldn't have been able to move forward in certain given areas of my life. And so, yeah, it was definitely new. Felt like I stepped into a, a new job and I just, things just kept raining down at me constantly. That's cool. Like some, Cause a lot of people out there, they, they're, they, they feel like they're stuck. They feel like they can't move forward with their life. And that's one of the, I would believe that one of the things that they could do is change your surroundings. And that's pretty much what you did is you, you changed your surroundings from what made me comfortable to something, what made me uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And it kind of takes you back to that quote, you know, when, when things aren't changing, then something has to change. Simply put. And sometimes I don't, I don't know if this applies to literally everybody. Sometimes their circumstances are different, but I, I knew that, that I physically needed to make a big leap because not that I knew myself back then, but I felt like I knew myself enough to know what I needed to do to start moving forward. And so exercising that idea and that concept over the years, I feel like has allowed me to see why you have like mentors or artists or people that are really well known talking about, uh, Hey, you need to know yourself. And obviously when people hear that, they kind of go, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, how do I do that? Or like, where do I go? Like, what I'm trying to, who am I? Right. (laughs) And so when they say you need to know yourself, it makes sense because I guess once you can kind of understand that concept, meaning knowing yourself, like how you tick, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, then you know which scenarios to, to put yourself in in order to expand in that one given area. And again, at that point when I was 20, 21, I didn't feel like I knew myself, but I felt like I knew myself enough to take that leap and just kind of see what happens. Wait until you turn 40 and then you look back and you're like, I didn't know anything back then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, man, does that mean I know nothing now? (laughs) We wake up at 40. Actually, one of my, uh, one of my um, heroes of my, one of my ancestors, I have him as a hero of mine. uh, He says, uh, I am the wisest amongst all Greeks because I know that I know absolutely nothing. Mm. So I'm always, I'm always learning. And that's what I try to do is uh, myself. So I'm always trying to learn new things. Uh, you had that, that ACL injury about two years ago, right? Yep. Uh, I think the last surgery, yeah, it was a little over about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, Working in a big box gym like LA Fitness, and I am familiar with working in LA Fitness, can be very demanding. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, how did you deal with uh, that kind of high demand on you? You said that you started to you you said that you actually st- your people started telling you that you were starting to slip. At what point did you see yourself starting to slip, and what did you do to? Uh, to turn the tide, so to speak. When they had made those comments, this is probably about a month and a half before my first surgery. So that month and a half was a good trying time for me. It was a good reflecting period to, to kind of look back and, and, and go into work a little bit early because, you know, I would work from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, five days a week. And then on the weekends, I'd work one day. So I was there six days a week. And we would have split shifts, which is why the shifts were so long, but they'd set it up to where I was there basically all day. And I would go in early in the morning sometimes, an extra hour, and just kind of sit there at the desk. No one would be there. It'd basically just be me. There would not be many people needing my assistance at that time. But if so, I'd help them out. I mean, I just loved helping people. And I would 
think about in what areas changed, you know, cause that, you know, before the injury, I was exercising daily. I was connecting with my friends on my days off. I felt like I had a really good balance. I had a, a good um, balance between my mind, my body, my spirituality. And there was just a lot of things clicking before the injury itself. And I realized that my identity was, was shifting, John, it was shifting because the role that I was playing before the injury was no longer the role that I was playing after it happened. I wasn't able to exercise people the same way. I was walking around in crutches. I was moving a little bit slower. There was not as much pep in my step. My exercises went down to maybe two or three times a week compared to me doing it four or five, six days a week sometimes. And I was on a routine. I was on a system. My analytical part of me was, was soothed before the injury. So simply put, I feel like it was just a big identity shift that I wasn't quite aware of until people started to mention it. And then I went in, there was a, probably a good uh, week or two week period, John, where I went in a little bit early and just kind of reflected on that and, and tried to see what I had to do. Because again, everything was slipping at this point. My, my sales were slipping, which just means my finances were slipping. I wasn't able to work out as much. There was so much just, it felt like there was a lot of weight being poured on me more and more and more. And you know, you have a lot of these gurus, gurus talk about that you need to find this happiness and this compassion and this, and this gratitude within yourself before you can experience in the outside world. But I feel like the law of attraction sometimes is kind of, it's kind of an asshole, to be honest with you, because <laughs> um, it constantly wants you to see what's going on in front of you. And that shows you what it, the reflection of what's going on in here. But once you see it on the outside world, instinctively, it doesn't make you think okay this is what i need to change it makes you think ah what gives it, it, it's kind of like a weird asshole like repetitive cycle and so i told myself that once i took the first surgery because i knew i was going to be out for three or four months i was going to connect up with my mentor as much as i could and i was going to dial in on my routines i was going to dial in on my food and my tracking and i was going to really take this time to to think about the next chapter of my life. So I think I, I held off on the growth period until the surgery happened. So I just kind of went by with life and just kind of took things as I came. And then I had the first surgery, it took me a few days to kind of get over that mental fog because I was on medication and stuff. And so once I did, um, I sat down, I told myself, what I was going to be doing throughout the day and how I wanted to conduct myself and what I was going to gain from it. And it wasn't until about a four or five month period into that halfway through me being off work where I, I noticed a shift in me. There is a, I was a completely different person compared to the, the when the first surgery happened up until that point. Mm -hmm. And so I think it just came down to me making a, a decision and me having to go through such a big setback and I mean, long story short, John, like the, the, the injury and the surgeries was the biggest blessing of my life so far. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. The problem is there's a lot of people out there that don't have that kind of blessing. Like for me, the blessing was standing on the bridge thinking about jumping. Yeah. Not as drastic as, uh, it's a little bit more drastic than going into surgery, but yeah. And uh, like you, I was stuck in a room, a, my bedroom at the time, for just over a year. And that's what drove me to the bridge. 
but you were also and and I and and I completely understand. I completely understand trying to look introspect inside of yourself. I was actually around your age when that happened. You're what twenty six? Yeah, yeah. I was around there when that happened, and um, trying to see. Okay, where did it all go to shit for me? Right. So. And that had to force me to create new patterns in my lifestyle, in my life, in how, my routines. So you were off, you were off work for 19 months. Uh, sorry, I think I said that to you wrong. It was, it was about a little over 10 months. Okay, a little over 10 months. Yeah. My bad, my, my bad. No, little, a little over 10 months. So it's, it's roughly about the same time frame with me. What kind of new patterns did you introduce into your life to crack you out of your old patterns, the old way of the old Harrison that was going down that downward spiral? Anything that was being put into my mind. I limited the uh, negative people in my life. So I think to some extent, all of us kind of have those people in our lives that kind of weigh us down a little bit. But I, I believe that they're in our lives for a reason. I think if we've realized the kind of impact that they have on us in a negative way, maybe it's our, um, maybe it's up to us to change who we are so we can help them. But anyway, uh, limiting the amount of uh, negative exposure that I got from people, I was putting myself into a system of reading 30 to 40 minutes at certain times in the morning right as I woke up while I was having my coffee. And before starting anything, before having conversations, like it was just part of my system. I was reading. And then 30, 40 minutes before I went to bed, I was reading as well. I wanted to make sure that I was reading certain books too that went with what I was wanting to do in my life. So, and I think naturally we all kind of do that, but um, meditation books, subconscious books, and, and ways to really um, <clears throat> instill just a newer way of being for ourselves. I was meditating as well. And that was always in the morning before the reading. I was on an exercise regimen and I was tracking my food as well. And I think one of the biggest ones, John, was I was networking at the time. So I would have five to six conversations with people that I, that I didn't know a day. I'd go out to bookstores. I'd go out to the to malls or dealerships or um, sometimes gyms to kind of get some exposure and meet some people. And so many doors open up for you when you just go up to someone and start a conversation. And that was never me. I think with... Being at LA Fitness and, and working in gyms, I had to do it for the job, but I only did it for the job. And then slowly I got into a pattern of somewhat enjoying the people that I was talking to. But before that, I was more so of an, uh, an introvert and uh, just kind of kept to myself. So those simple routines with having a plan, I, I, I had this idea of how I wanted to see myself towards the end of me healing from the second surgery and going back to work. I had this idea of me, this, this um, calm confidence, this assertiveness in me that wasn't overly direct, but it was just the right amount of directness. I had this, this savviness, this brightness. I had this idea of how I wanted to be. But at the same time, I wasn't so attached to it. I was very okay with becoming someone different if it was going to be better than that version that I held in my mind. So I think really just not having to work um, not having to to bust myself for a company and for someone else's vision and having a plan for myself and realizing that it was 
that it was me inducing all that on myself was such a com- comfortable feeling. It was, it was very good for my spirituality. It was good for my mental state. And once I got into a cycle of that over a good period of time, John, it was, that's where I, it just clicked in my head. I was like, you know what? I, I need to fruition these, these business ideas. I need to do it. My creativity expanded. You know, when you can sue the intellectual part of you by putting yourself into a structure and a system and putting yourself in, in good progressive routines, then the right side of your brain sues a little bit as well. And you start become, you start to become more intuitive, more creative. And that, um, that other side of you that normally isn't exercises as much nowadays in the society, it comes out. And I feel like once you kind of hit that point to where it comes out long enough, you don't want to go back and you almost make that decision. You're not going back. Yep. Totally. So it, it, it really does sound like you had this uh, kind of like affirmation of yourself and you attached it with emotions of how you would experience yourself in the future. Now, I, this is not the first time that I've heard about it actually this week because me, myself, if you give me a set of affirmations, I will say it for three days and then never say them again because it just, it feels so empty. It's, Excuse me. No, no, that's fine. Uh, so do you agree that if you do say these affirmations, these positive affirmations, and you instill some form of emotion with that affirmation, it can form a reality for yourself? And I, I, there's, a, there's a word for it, and it's, it's, it's escaping me right now. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, well, what I believe, is, uh, you know, Bob Proctor talks about this all the time. And um, there's this, like, hour, hour and a half clip where he talks about this. And I, I'm kind of, if I can remember the name and the source of where it's at, the platform, I'm definitely going to share it. It's really changed my life. Believe it or not, I've watched this thing 20 times. Because he's big on repetition. <clears throat> And that's what affirmations are. If they're applied and they're emphasized with repetition and emotion, then it gets instilled into who you are. So you can't, you know, weeks teach you more than a day does, but years teach you more than weeks can. So repetition, right? And what he talked about, um, he talked about frequencies and how we think on certain frequencies. And so how, if you can tune yourself into that certain frequency. So let's say I'm sitting here, uh, for example, um, thinking of a certain topic, thinking of, um, I don't know, um, like grocery shopping. I'm thinking of all the things that I want to go ahead and shop for. I'm on that frequency. I'm on that level. I'm on that plane. I'm, I'm putting myself there and I, I'm, I'm going through all these mental images in my mind. That's a frequency. So what I've started to kind of grasp, and it's still a very tough concept. And so that's why I feel like when you read a book uh, two or three times or watch a a movie two or three times, you're always going to catch something that you missed before. <clears throat> when you're reading, the goal is the concentration when you're reading. And sometimes you can find yourself reading three pages and really grasping the idea. And then you read the next three pages, but half of it, you kind of don't grasp because your mind was somewhere else. It was thinking about when you're on Bora Bora that one time or uh, when you're on the airplane somewhere. And so you kind of go through these frequencies. So I do believe that with the right, um, I guess, emphasis and emotion, affirmations do help. I don't necessarily say a lot of affirmations out loud. I am really big lately on doing these things before I go to bed, just thinking about it. It's one of my favorite things to do now. It's, it's what really gets me excited to go to bed because I'm very antsy. I like to get things done. So going to bed's not a, you know, as an entrepreneur, going to bed's not really like an exciting thing, right? 
uh, <laughs> waking up the exciting thing, going to bed, you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll sleep. But uh, <laughs> you kind of naturally have to. But um, holding that idea of how you want to conduct yourself and how you want to embrace life, how you want to, to emphasize things when you're going to bed because you're floating in between your conscious and your unconscious state. And so if you can do that within that 10, 15 minute window of you falling asleep, then it more so instills a little bit more. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, yeah, I do believe affirmations at the right times and instilled for a long enough time have an amazing benefit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just not it's not part of your identity at first, which is why it's very easy to do it for a few days and then maybe the fourth or fifth day, you don't even remember what your affirmations were unfortunately yeah um you actually touched up on something uh a couple of segments ago with meditation now you've used meditation as a tool to reflect forward could you elaborate a little bit on that yes very similar to what i just mentioned with the going to sleep but i like to you know for the longest time i was actually this is probably back when I had the first surgery and I was telling you about the patterns that I had. I was meditating a lot in the morning. I'd wake up. It was the first thing that I would do. I would stretch my body a little bit, get the kinks out and meditate for 20, 30 minutes, which meditating for 20, 30 minutes is a a long time. I mean, you do it for just a few minutes, you're going to reap the benefits. But um, I found for me, I like to meditate now when everything I have going on the day is done. I'm done with work when I'm, done helping out all the clients that I have when I'm done with just any of the to-dos that I have. I release all that. It's all in the past completely. I sit down on my bed. I sit down on my meditation pillow and I meditate. And the biggest thing that I've been doing a lot of is when I first started meditating, I was doing dozens of different meditations and seeing what worked for me. What I've been doing a lot of the last probably three months. Yeah. The last three months of 2020 and going into this new year is letting go, is feeling all the feelings that I felt in the day and my anxiety, which is a big thing for me, you know, because I have a lot of things going on, so I get anxious. Uh, Uncertainty is as an entrepreneur, you really, yeah, you never know, man. So the uncertainty, the anxiety, the doubt, the frustration, the, the needing to be in control, I do what I can to bring these feelings up And I tell myself that I'm okay with it. And I let go on on an emotional level. And I sit there and I do that for about 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes. And once I get out of that meditation, I normally feel so grateful and so comfortable in my own skin that my reflecting forward begins there. I start to think about uh, the vision of authentic process. I start to think about the vision of my my body and my transformation when it comes to my fitness. I start to think about the relationships that I want to hold. I start to think about my bank account. I start to think about the traveling. And when you get out of meditation and you think about those four or five, six different things that you really want to emphasize more of in your life, you start to get this overwhelming sense of joy. And that's nowadays how I always end my meditations. And I found that it's just allowed me to see more of the brightness that's in the world. And that was probably one of the biggest things before the surgery happened was I was moving in a direction of seeing all the things that weren't right. 
And so it's helped me create that shift of always just looking at something that could be fixed, but I'm like, wow, it's, it's beautiful that this thing is like that. Or wow, I wonder what I kind of learned from this scenario. Or ah, oh, okay, well, yeah, that can be fixed, but you know what, it's great over here. So not only has the reflecting forward, has it's allowed me to have a much more cleaner vision, but it's helped me be grateful for more of the things that are in my life rather than the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Um, up until the beginning of last week, if you asked me to meditate, I would be out like a light in like 30 seconds, like go into a complete relaxed state. I'm just snoring 30 seconds later, but uh, I actually did it with like, like the meditation music and, okay. and like some guidance because I have to be focused on something. Mm -hmm. And I have to say like, it, it's, it's quite interesting what happens. Like I do it in the morning and at night just to, you know, give me some energy in the morning and right. relax me at night. And it's actually quite interesting. I haven't fallen asleep yet. Came close. <laughs> yeah. And you got to find what works for you. And I feel like that, that might be a tough thing too in the beginning for a lot of people that, that want to start exercising that new tool is they might try it a couple of times and they, they just don't find their groove. So they fall out of it for a few weeks, few months, few years, and then they try to get back into it again. Uh, but yeah, I was the same way. Um, and that was the thing is that when I would do it in the morning, sometimes I would do it while laying in bed still, and I would just be on my back and I would, you know, put my hands up and just be in a peaceful state, fall back asleep. <laughs> like, Oh, let's try this again and fall back asleep again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's awesome. What sparked the, the, the want for meditation for you? Um, I just needed change. I just needed something to help me focus. Like, cause, uh, I think like, pretty much like you like it's like i start one program i see it doesn't catch so i'm like okay throw it out the window start up a new one or i'm halfway through setting up a, a new program and i get like a new program popping up to help supplement that program it's like oh this one it's like kind of like squirrel and i'm like okay i really need to focus <laughs> i can't i can't be squirrel all the time trying to release programs and trying to launch them so that's what uh, that's what kind of why i started the meditating the meditating because i need to focus right. uh you also, you also sorry go ahead oh no go ahead you're good i was just gonna ask you uh you also talk about like releasing releasing more inner density what did you what do you mean by that well uh it kind of goes with the letting go density you know i'd say about two months ago yeah, I'd say this is probably like beginning of November. I had really become very interested in the, in the concept of shadow work, which is going deep within your subconscious mind and, and understanding some of the inner childhood wounds that you have from the past and doing what you can to feel these things that happened in the past that caused you some trauma. And that's a very fearful thing. I'd say back... Yeah, like two, two and a half months ago when I started to do these things. Um, believe it or not, when I would go deep within myself and try to discover what was holding me back from, you know, um, certain things, you know, just having that, like we talked about earlier, John, just the fear of success, having these doubts, having uh, this anxiety that you, know, you want to be somewhere, but something's really holding you back, but you got to figure it out. And so I've gotten to the point where there's a lot of really deep, 
meditations that I can get into. And I can't always get into it every day, you know, accordance to, you know, if I end up having wine a little too much throughout the week, or if I uh, eat too much before I do a meditation, those things play a factor when it comes to your, your spirituality and uh, releasing the density. But I'd say maybe once a week now, I'll have a deep enough meditation to where I'm slipping more and more and I'm letting go more. I'm, I'm releasing the tension everywhere. And sometimes when someone says, hey, relax, and, and you do relax, you might go, okay. But you're really not relaxing. There's so much density. There's so much tightness. There's a lot of frustration and so much built-up energy within you. And so, like I said, about once a week, when I can get into a certain state where I'm releasing more and more and more and more, these inner feelings of love and, and gratitude and, and just more expressions start to come up. But before you can really start to hit those points, and I'm, I'm only 26, I'm, this is gonna be a lifelong journey for me where uh, and I'm very excited for it, but it can be kind of, I do wanna warn people because it can be kind of identity shifting and scary, especially for the ego. You know, you're, you're the, I heard this the other day, I think the purpose of an ego is to be right. When you're releasing density, you're more so releasing the identity of who you are. And so when you get into these states, what I've realized actually is that uh, I actually, every once in a while, maybe once or twice a week, I have these dreams now where I have this shadow. Um, I have this dream where the shadow is actually holding onto my throat and it's holding onto my pelvic area, okay? And I was very unsure of what that means, but it, it terrifies me. It frightens me. And I wake up and I'm almost in cold sweats. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I've never had night terrors before. This is so weird. And I actually talked to someone. She can be very uh, uh, easily relate her to someone that's like a shaman. And, I, and she's kind of like a, uh, another mentor of mine in my life when it comes to spirituality. <clears throat> and I explained to her the dreams that I've been having. She's like, oh, Harrison, it's because you, you, you have blockage in your throat chakra and your pelvic chakra there's something there that happened when you were younger that's holding you back from having the voice that you want and speaking the truth that you want sometimes and and holding you back from being grounded like you really want to and so once she opened my awareness to that idea i've been doing what i can to release that density more and more and more and and I think we had this conversation about a week ago, John, where when you kind of start to go through these spiritual awakenings, you almost want to go back because <laughs> they, they get deep. Yes, and, so, and yeah, I think just anybody that's beginning their journey and, and releasing density is um, be careful. You know, maybe have someone there with you to not necessarily with you, but someone to talk to about it because it's quite the journey and, and journeys aren't always rainbows and green grass. It's often dark and scary. It can be where monsters lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you actually made a few points that I want to actually touch, uh, touch up on. Uh, one of the fears that actually holds, I can easily say 80% of the population in this world is the fear of success. We, we talked about this before we started. So I want, you to, I want you to talk a little bit more because you actually had some really great insight with that. Fear of success. 
remind me again, what were some of the comments that I made on that? Because I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions on fear of success. Uh, you were talking about sometimes, um, like when we start to grow as a person, like grow our businesses, grow as a person, we, we have a tendency of blocking people out that we're, uh, we're, we're more, uh, we're more uh, like, uh, I, I am the, I am the center of this universe. I am the center of my universe. I need to do everything myself. Right. And you, you had some really good insight on that. Well, yeah. And I'd say the last year and a half or so, I've been really exercising this concept and really trying to tap into it because um, when you, fear success, you might be starting to slowly move in the direction of your goals, your dreams and things that you want to attain in your life. But there's always one or two or three things I feel like naturally all of us hold back on that can really be that stepping stone, really be that projectile thing that takes us to the next level. But we're always kind of held back because of the fear of success. So for me, I would consider myself a little bit more of an introvert. I do enjoy people. I love great conversations with guys like, like John here. And it's, it's just part of who I am. It's part of my identity now, but before it wasn't. And so I would always kind of shut myself off to introducing more people into my business that could have really helped me out. And so now I think one of the biggest things is that for an example, when it comes to fear of success, you might be holding yourself back of doing that podcast episode or doing that, uh, that one movement with someone that can really move you forward because you're thinking to yourself, okay, if I involve myself with that person, it makes it real people are going to, you know, people are going to be depending on me. There's going to be a lot of obligations that I'm going to have to do if I bring more people on board. So that's just one example of fear of success is that when you move into that one thing that you know that you have to do, it's the fear of, oh my God, is this going to go? It's not the fear of, am I going to fail? It's the fear of, oh my God, am I going to succeed? What's going to happen at that point? And one of the business courses that I took I finished up about two, three weeks ago, we had to do these, these webinars, for example, and I had to speak in front of a lot of people and I had to go through a sales process and I had to um, do something that I have never done before. And I loved everybody on the course. It was such an amazing thing. And I'd say there was 52, 53 of us that started the course. There was only about 20 of us that ended the course. And most of them fell off when it came to that fear of success when it came to realizing that it was really real. And so, yeah, there's a, just one good example of it. And to some extent, I think we're always going to kind of deal with it a little bit. And so I think it kind of goes back to identifying that resistance and doing what you can to plan for it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I just usually yeah. just go head first and just say, okay, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> That's a good way too. Yeah. <laughs> Just do the darn thing, right? They actually called me a bull in a china shop <laughs> when I did that program. Yeah, I know which program you're talking about. <laughs> um, another, uh, another thing that you actually talked about was releasing. Now, this is a concept that I'm actually having trouble with myself personally is bringing up all this crap that's happened to me throughout the day and just allowing it to go. We have a tendency I've, I've seen with a lot of people is that we love holding on to stuff. Right. What would, how would you help somebody like that to help release, you know, their stuff or one, maybe one thing. Uh, taking the glamour out of it. 
taking the glamour out of it. And that, you know, when we're attached to things, it's part of who we are. It's part of our identity. And so I think one of the biggest things for me, and I'm still working on this big time, and I'm still trying to find what works for me. And that's the beautiful thing about life, John. I think, you know, releasing and seeing what works for us is the important thing. There's some roads, there's some journeys that we have to take alone. But I think another really good way to start unattaching yourself from certain things is exercising the idea of what's the worst thing that can happen if you don't have that thing. Meditating on it. It's kind of like the idea of meditating on death. If you can meditate on death and, and realize the worst that can happen from it, it's a natural thing that we all go through. In reality, it's a beautiful thing. And so I think we're kind of dying naturally. The old us are, are constantly fading away and we're becoming a new constantly. So it's a beautiful thing. So I think if you can do your best to take the glamour out of what you're attached to and then seeing what's the worst that can happen if you do lose that thing. If we're attached to something, we're wanting it. We're, we're needing it. We're identifying as that person. So if you can meditate on the idea and my belief of taking that attachment to one thing that you have, let's say it's a job. Let's say that you, you don't want to lose it. You're super attached to it. You love the money. There's a lot of things that you are super attached to with the job. Start exercising the idea frequently of all the worst possible things that can happen in one given area with that attachment. Right. And feel it and being okay with it. You know, it kind of goes back to this book that I'm reading. Um, one of the three, four books that I'm reading. Uh, by David Hawkins, it's called Letting Go. And his concept, this is actually on my Instagram, um, at Harrison underscore Penny, last name P-E-N-N-E-Y. It's one of the videos. It's um, titled Letting Go or How to Let Go. Um, for example, when you're feeling depressed or frustrated or you're feeling an identity shift or you're feeling very anxious for the day, anything that's going on, rather than suppressing or repressing it, you know, you want to... A lot of us like to suffocate what we're feeling. So if someone comes up to us and saying, hey, how are you today? If you're not really that great, normally 99% of the time you're going to go, oh, I'm good. Or I'm fine. You're not fine. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> I mean, uh, to a social standard, we need to kind of in some way conduct ourselves in some way or you're going to walk around mopey and just very unhappy. But you know what I mean? It's very easy nowadays to see when someone's down. But anyway, um, when you're feeling these things, when you're feeling frustrated or sadness or anger, don't suppress or don't repress it. Don't suffocate it. You have to feel these things and allow your body to feel it because it starts to play its course. So that goes with the attachment. If you can see what you're attached to, start feeling all the feelings of all the possible wrong things that can happen and being okay with it, then naturally it starts to upbring and you start to let go of that thing that you're attached to. And so that's my idea and concept of it. Again, I'm still exercising it a bunch, but that's to this point in my life been close to one of the most profound things for me when it comes to being attached to something. It's uh, it's interesting that you said that because uh, years back, I, I I really started to follow my my religion, which is a uh, Greek ortho Greek Orthodox, hmm. and uh, there was uh, there we have a couple of monasteries all over the U.S. And uh, one of my friends actually went to the one in New York and uh, she asked one of the monks there, father, how are you doing? And he just stormed right up. Terrible. And he just walked right by and she's like, okay. 
<laughs> so I found that I, th- I found that quite funny. So uh, le- like you said, like when people would ask me if uh, at work when I because I was working at LA Fitness at that time, oh, okay. and they they would ask me, "Hi John, how are you feeling?" I would just tell them, "Terrible." We're like, "I love it." Okay, we would have been friends. Everybody else would have been like, "Okay, well, John's feeling terrible today." No one, no one talked to John. <laughs> But I would say it with a smile because I'm like, how are you feeling? Terrible. And you, you would say it with a smile, John, because you're being honest with yourself. Yeah. And part of you is like, you know what? I'm glad that I'm not feeling great today. I'm glad that I can express to you that I'm not feeling great. And probably in some way, because you think about it, if you are not okay, but you tell people that you are, you're making it worse. So that's why it's another important thing to have someone that you can go to and say, hey, today sucks. What about you? Yeah, because... Technically, you're lying to yourself. Yep. Yep. And what's that going to do to your subconscious mind? Over exactly. a repetitive cycle of time. Exactly. So we're going to shift gears here a little bit, and we're going to start talking about the authentic process, because I think it's a great program that you got going. Uh, you've got a three-part video series on, uh, on this. Can you explain... A little bit, not the whole thing. Don't give the whole thing away. I want people to subscribe and all the links will be with the show notes uh, to this podcast, wherever you're either listening or watching this podcast. So can you go through just a brief overview of what people can expect when they sign up? Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for letting me touch base on that. So the three part video series, John's actually going to be shifting gears pretty soon. And so when people go to my website, Authentic Process website, and they subscribe, uh, the goal with that is to be giving people weekly uh, cutting edge insight. It's going to be your go-to place when it comes to uh, conducting yourself with your healthy patterns and your healthy routine. So weekly, uh, two time, one to two times a week, you're going to be getting a bunch of insight on just all the latest insight when it comes to losing weight with little to no cravings, when it comes to conducting yourself at work, and when it comes to just making life easier. And that, especially working with LA Fitness or just any gym in general, um, I had realized had been one of the toughest things for most people and myself. You know, sitting down with five, 600 people, uh, you start to realize a, a, a pattern. And the biggest one is time. And I was someone that worked at a gym, but it, I found it hard to actually work out sometimes. Can you agree? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely um helping people take more control of their life with their patterns and their routines and so uh th- right now the three-part video series t- touches base on your biochemistry and how it manipulates um your confidence your anxiety your mental focus your energy things like that so your biochemistry an example of that is the food and the sources that you put into your body and so <clears throat> a little discovery that i made about a, about a year or so ago i had slowly been realizing this, you know, obviously if you live a healthy life, if you exercise and you conduct yourself in a healthy manner, they're going to feel better naturally. Your, your body's going to be happy with what you're doing. It's going to feel gratified. You're just going to be walking through life with a different half in your step. But what I didn't realize about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, is that some of the things that I was eating, chicken, eggs, uh, that wasn't good for my body type. Uh, I took this food sensitivity test not too long ago, and it showed me that the two main things that reacted very high for me in a very negative way were uh, almonds and eggs. And I ate almonds and eggs every day. It messed with my sleep. It messed with my energy. Uh, it made me anxious. And so when I cut these certain foods out, 
uh, just a whole new part of me just was able to sprout. I was just more myself. And so right now the three part video series touches based on your biochemistry. Um, the, you know, the positive repercussions that it can have on your body if you adjust it to your body type. And then there's also a memory tool in there that I show in there that I've been using for a mentor gave me about a year and a half ago. And then, um, a cycle in there on how to reduce cravings when it comes to losing weight and a neuro programming tool is going to be the last video on how to overcome certain setbacks. And there's just a lot of them for all of us, you know, in, in certain given areas. So that tool is kind of a meditation brain hack to help you get through certain setbacks. And so that's what the three part video series touches base on. Okay, cool. Um, now I have my own tools when I, with it, when I use with my clients for cutting their cravings and it's usually with a ball peen hammer to their life. It's normally what? A ball peen hammer. Ball peen hammer. A what giant hammer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just remove everything. Uh, they don't like me for it, but when they go back to their old stuff, they don't really like the old stuff that they, um, that they liked. They thought they liked. Now, what's one thing that you would actually use for, to, to help reduce cravings in a, in, in a person? One very simple basic tool is intermittent fasting. And it might sound like it goes against it because you're not eating. But if you're fasting, for example, the first four to five hours after waking up in the morning, you're not starting your metabolism. You're not. So if you get your metabolism going too early in the day, it spikes cravings because it's going. If you, let's say you're someone that works a nine to five job and you wake up at 6.30, and you have your coffee, you have your breakfast, you started your metabolism, your engine's going. So it's gonna spike cravings around the times normally where you don't want the cravings to be. Intermittent fasting can be one, and then carbs high in fiber. Carbs high in fiber, and then about 15 to 20 grams of protein when you break your fast. That really suppresses the appetite, helps with your energy, helps with your sleeping patterns, uh, helps flush you out the next day. It's There's just a lot of positive, healthy repercussions from just those two tools alone, just the intermittent fasting and then carbs high in fiber. Would you recommend people doing intermittent fasting every day? Every day. I really do. I, I think, how oh, I've been doing it just about every day for two years and I feel freaking fantastic. There's a lot of amazing benefits. I really do. Because when you're fasting, it's you're lowering inflammation, you're lowering body fat percentage. It's a much cleaner burning fuel source. Uh, you're not starting your metabolism. There's just a lot of positive repercussions. And so I would highly recommend that if you do have any health issues or if you are pregnant or you have second thoughts, maybe check with your closest functional doctor first before you go full board and doing it every single day. But for the average person, I would. Damn it. <laughs> you said, you said, damn it. Said, damn it. <laughs> I love a nice uh, breakfast. Maybe start with, I'm with you, man. But no, maybe I do. Maybe I the first, maybe just like five days a week to start. And then at some point it just becomes part of who you are. You just love to do it. You love how it makes you feel. And I think that is one of the big, biggest things for all of us. That's why so many of us would acquire all these things because we think if we acquire things, we're going to feel a certain way. Yeah. Well, I, I do do intermittent fasting. Um, uh, but I only do like two days a week. I, I find that that works for me because 
Okay. I, I, I'm not going to give up my bacon and eggs. Not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I hate to break it to you. I hate to break it to you. So to really reap most of the benefits from intermittent fasting, it takes about five days in a row. Unfortunately, you are going to still benefit from two days. You're going to take away your bloatedness, flush your body out. Your energy is going to be good. But to hit that much cleaner burning fuel source and to really start shredding uh, and while sustaining muscle and, and building off the muscle, it takes about five days. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a very strict fast uh, that's coming up as Greek Orthodox. Uh, before Easter, we fast for 50 days. But we basically become vegans for 50 days. No, we're not allowed to eat anything that's alive except for plants. Interesting. Okay. I'm curious. So you've done this before. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Twice. The two, no, like five, six times I've done it in my life. I'm actually going to do it this year. Okay. And so how is that for you? Uh, you feel like what's, what's the way of being? In the beginning, it's a little bit hard. I'd say maybe the first three days, it's a little bit hard because you're always craving uh, red meat. You're, you're, you're craving some kind of like, like meat. But, yeah, but after that, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's no big deal. Like yeah. we're, we're not even allowed to drink uh, protein shakes that have uh, whey protein because it ha- comes from a cow. Oh, so no, so no collagen either? We can take the capsules. We can take, uh, we can take uh, supplements. But it has to be, everything has to be, uh, everything not from, from not an animal. Oh, okay. Man, that'd be tough for me, man. It'd be very tough. I might upset some people saying this, but I make fun of vegans sometimes. So do I. <laughs> it'd be too hard for me. I mean, I love my fruits and vegetables, but... <clears throat> I love my meat, man. And I, I love my collagen too. I can't go a day without collagen. I love my meat. I love everything that has to do with meat. But the way the religious aspect is that we're preparing ourselves for um, Easter. But biologically, what we're doing is we're giving our bodies a break from all the heavy meats and breaking down everything and just just making it easy and it's like i i, I explain it to people like it's like cl- uh spring cleaning for our bodies i like it i like it so it's, <clears throat> it's a, i think it's an amazing discipline tool um have you read the book i think it's called the compound effect no amazing book amazing book. i recommend that to anybody watching or listening to this right now um compound effect he talks about a concept where about I think it's once a year, maybe even like every three months or so. Anything that he does repetitively, whether it's coffee, whether it's uh, watching too much TV, whether it's uh, anything, anything that he does repetitively, every three or four months or so, he'll stop doing it for a whole month just to confirm that he's in control of his life. And so I think the principles that you're talking about with your um, – religion and your focus i think it's amazing because it kind of shows discipline and it just shows that you are committed and i think it's really good for the subconscious mind and just discipline in general mm-hmm. and you talked about that and i've been wanting to do that more because i have pretty awesome strict routines and so i want to maybe go a week or two without doing any of the stuff that i do on a daily basis to see how in control i really am so this authentic process it's it's more like that for people who have no idea uh, on how to 
they have their set routines and this is like you're throwing this in as a, like a little bit pat like a like a pattern interrupt kind of thing yes and no so authentic process is the business authentic process is the the go-to place to change your your healthy patterns and your and your habits and so the newest course in there lose weight with little to no cravings is a 30-day program for the nine-to-five worker and i say 30-day program for the nine-to-five worker because it's it's built for that person for men and women and you're going to lose anywhere between four to six pounds within 30 days and probably end up a little bit more because it's going to be four to six pounds of solid fat with some extra bloat and water weight and things like that <clears throat> for example my latest client in it joel uh he's in his late 40s and he lost five pounds within the first three modules that's the first 14 to 15 days great stuff right there shout out to my guy joel and um <clears throat> The point of each module, so there's six modules in the course, like I said earlier, it's to bring on certain routines that go with your schedule so it doesn't feel like a second job. Little increments that you can start off with to build yourself up. You know, think of anything in life. Think of a tree. Think of your growth. Think of hair. Think of uh, your job progression. Things take time and they take small progressions. So if you start implementing small routines in the beginning to build yourself up for the bigger things, along with banishing cravings, along with going with your work schedule, it's a foolproof system. If you stick to the system, you're going to lose the weight and feel amazing at the end of it. And um, the best part about the program is that you're not going to have to lift one weight. The movement guidelines in there are very minimal. And all it is is adjusting your routines a little bit more that go in accordance with your schedule. I love it. I love it. You had a very interesting um, experience when you, when you sold your first, the, the, the first product. Something interesting happened. Why don't you just talk us through that? Yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that up too, man. Um, this wasn't actually lose weight with little to no cravings. This was actually a much bigger program that happened, um, I think, springtime of 2020. This is probably a month or two after the whole COVID happened and just everything kind of went in the direction that it is now. <laughs> Excuse me. I was at a park with... <clears throat> someone that I had actually met at LA fitness. He had actually joined one of the programs that I had. And I actually put him with, um, uh, with one of my trainers that I was working with because I was the fitness director at the club. So I got to know him a little bit and I matched him up with the trainer that was going to work best for him. But he took a big liking to me and him and I actually ended up being really close friends. And this guy's in his mid fifties now. And I built the program. This is more of a mind, body, and spirit approach program. It was helping people in all planes. So it was adjusting with their work schedule, their relationships, their healthy patterns. It was going to help them be more well-rounded because I had realized at that point that how you do one thing is how you do all things. And so he was the first guy that I thought about for the program. So I reached out to him. We, we talked for a good 15, 20 minutes. And then a few days later, we met at a park because we couldn't meet inside. God forbid you go sit down anywhere. And, um, Anyway, uh, we were inside down in the park and um, we're sitting there talking. I, I brought my laptop and I showed him the whole program and just expressed to him how I know it's going to help him in certain areas. And so there was this look in his eye. There was this, and I, I definitely respect this guy. I definitely in, in some way look up to him and he's given me amazing advice. I would like to think that I've helped him a little bit in his journey as well. And after expressing the whole program, after showing him what he can expect from it and how it was going to improve his life. He looked at me and he goes, wow, you know, 
I got to say, he goes, how old are you? And I go, I'm, I'm, I'm 25. And he goes, Harrison, I, I got to take this time man, to, to, to really say thank you. Like I, I've never met someone your age that has put something like this together and you've actually come to me to try to improve my life. Like you are going to do amazing things. And I don't even think you've realized this yet. And the way he said it, the conviction behind his words, the way he showed that love to me, it opened something up in me. I was, I remember looking around and seeing the trees and seeing the grass and smelling the air when he said that, and it was one of those pivotal moments, that tipping point in my life where I, I made that decision that I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I'm going to do what I can to change as many lives as I possibly can. And I, yeah, it, it makes me a little bit emotional thinking about it because it was that moment. It was almost uncomfortable only because it shifted my belief system. And during that shift, it was a little bit uncomfortable. And after a few minutes of letting it sink in, I'm like, wow. Okay. This is real. This is real. I, I, I had to do this. And so, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And it was um, a pivotal moment in my life. And I can't wait to touch more people with my business, my programs, and just what I have to offer. That's awesome. Are you going to make this program available to other people? This bigger one that I mentioned to you? Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Good. It's going to be the first coaching program with an authentic process. Very good. Very so good. Lose weight, lose weight with little to no cravings. Of course, it's in there now. You can actually go ahead and uh, purchase that. It's a $99 product, which actually is on sale for 27 up until the 1st of February of 2021. And then coming soon, there's going to be other DIY programs. And so lose weight with little to no cravings is a do it yourself program. But if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach me at my email and you're going to be able to get all that information once you get the course. But yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to see what you're going to pull out. Like uh, I'm excited. I, I think he's right. I think he's right. There's something special that's coming. I can feel it. I can, I can honestly feel it right here. Uh, you're going to, you're going to pull out some amazing stuff. I mean, you're 26 years old and you are talking like you're in your forties. I'll be honest with you. And there is something special there. So keep going, keep pushing. Um, these are, uh, we're going to be ending it off soon. I'm going to be asking you uh, about six or seven questions uh, just to get your insight on it. And you're yeah. going to ha- you have some great insight and I can't wait to hear your answers. Uh with the increase in people suffering from depression from this whole COVID nonsense, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Uh, their dreams and goals, their ambitions. Keep their hopes up on that. You know, you, you're, you're, you're not dictated by your outside experience. You you're allowing yourself to be dictated by the outside experience. And so if you're going through some form of depression, that's a very real thing. Trust me, I have 100% been there. And still today, I go through it sometimes. You know, the doubt, the worry, the, the uncertainty. And I think if you can continuously remind yourself to think of the opposite spectrum, you know, the, the, the beauty of it all then a lot of amazing things can happen. But this also goes with a tool that I want to, a little quick 
30, 40 second exercise. Do you want to do it with me? Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> a mentor gave this to me a good year ago. Now go ahead and take out your hand. Just like this. Go ahead and look at your hand. Okay. You get to see the details of it. You, you got it all. Now, as you're looking at your hand, go ahead and look past the hand while looking through the fingers and everything. You probably see the ground, the table, the, your bed, the rug. Okay. You're looking past it. Now, what is past the hand are your dreams and your goals. But your hand is your doubt, your depression, your anxiety, your frustration. And if we can continuously remind ourselves to look past it, I mean, imagine you get into a cycle of that of days, weeks, months, and years. I mean, you're going to start seeing things a little bit differently. You're going to be forced to look at things for what, more so what they are rather than what you believe they are. And so I think it comes down to really just finding your, your way. That's the beautiful thing about being our own separate islands as people. We're all separate and we kind of have our own ways of, uh, of seeing the world, which is the beautiful thing. And yeah, having a vision, reminding yourself to look past that fear and anxiety and look at what you want and um, dial in some routines. But yeah. I love it. That was a great exercise. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where do you see authentic process in the next five years? Continuously helping people unravel more. Um, the exact, I would say, you know, on stage talking to a lot of people, being more so involved with the community. And the biggest thing for me, John, is Authentic process, I believe, is a true, is going to be a true expression of kind of my awakening and helping people unravel more. And I think to some extent, everybody's business goes in such a way that maybe their life has. And that's kind of what I'm feeling. So far, the, the approach of authentic process and the beginning steps are kind of happening in the way that my awakening has begun to happen. Not that it's saying that I've gone through an awakening, but I mean, it's like we talked about about a week ago. I feel like building a business is a spiritual awakening. And if I can help people unravel more of who they are um, and, and touch other cities and states, then I'm a completely happy person. So I the think, exact vision, sorry, I'm not exactly, sorry, the exact precise, still being formulated. I like to think at weeks and years at a time or a couple of years at a time. But yeah, touching more people on stage, more staff and just helping people unravel in the most convenient way possible. Awesome. What about you personally? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? It's a great question. I, I definitely plan on doing a lot of traveling, a lot of traveling. Um, I'm going to be planning on getting my first home pretty soon and kind of grounding myself and having my home base. But I do want to travel a lot more and um, meet a lot of like-minded people that are in a very similar direction. And then through that, I actually want to write this book that's going to be very similar to like what authentic process helps people with just unraveling a lot more. So a lot of writing, a lot of traveling, and I absolutely love what I do with authentic process. It's my passion. It's my dream. And it's, I don't want to say it's my everything, but it's close to it. And so a lot of expression through it and a lot of traveling, a lot of writing, a lot of reading. 
and meeting a lot of people. Awesome. Uh, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself when you were 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Have patience. Have patience and um, enjoy it. And I think Aubrey Marcus said that on his podcast. He said, man, it was beautiful. It hit me so hard, John, because in the middle of him building on it, which is a um, personal development, um, stretch yourself, human optimization business, very similar to like what our approaches are. Talked about, um, I wish I would have enjoyed the beginning parts of my, my building because so much was happening. I had so many blessings in my life, but I wasn't enjoying it because I kept feeling like I was going to fail. And so if I could go back and tell my, yeah. So personally, if I can go back and tell myself at 20, a little message, give it, you know, give them something subliminal. I'd be like, Hey, enjoy it. You have a lot to come and just hold on tight. Awesome. Uh, you kind of answered my next question, which is looking back, would you change anything? Heck no. Aside from that, aside from that, no, man, I, I can't, I mean, sure. I mean, there's some things that like, I wish I would have said this or I wish I would have said that or, uh, but on a deeper level, aside from that one thing, I don't think so. I love that answer. I love that answer. It's one of my favorite answers. Awesome. Uh, what keeps you up at night? <clears throat> thinking about my clients, thinking about what needs to be done, thinking about the next step. Um, you know, it's funny because I think I read this in the compound effect, but I feel like it was a read maybe a year before that. So maybe about a year and a half to two years ago, I was reading some, one of my three or four books that I was reading at a time, obviously. And we talk about how when, you know, a lot of people end up having their goals, their goals, they, 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 they want to acquire and they go through a process to reach that goal. But when you go through a process to reach a certain goal, you always end up being someone different than you expected when you reach the goal and you've instilled that part of you into your being. So it makes it hard for you to actually enjoy the goal that you have. So if you, for example, want to reach a goal of, being so financially independent that you can travel the rest of your life. By the time you reach that goal, you've probably done it in such a way that's instilled a work habit in you that is not going to be breakable. Right. And so I don't know. I've instilled this part of me that just keeps wanting to reach and reach and reach. So I think just attaining more and helping my clients and then my business is definitely what keeps me up. <laughs> well, so like, reaching the peak of the mountain and all you can see is the next mountain. Exactly. There's never, there's never a peak. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, where can people find more about you? Um, my Instagram big time. You're going to be able to find my website, all my links from there. And that's where uh, a lot of my exposure is. So that's going to be at Harrison underscore penny, H A R R I S O N underscore penny P E N N E Y. Okay. And we will post all your links with the show notes again, so people can find, uh, so it's easy access for people to find you and get in contact with you. Uh, 
Any final thoughts? I actually posted this on my Instagram. You know, I've never really been much for New Year's resolutions. I like to set goals. Okay, what you what you what you measured gets reached. If you don't measure it, then probably not going to get there. Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm the same. I hate New Year's resolutions. <laughs> uh-huh. I think when I was young, like nine or ten, I always hated them back then too. And then as I got older, I'm like, hey, I can think for myself. So. Screw resolutions, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Harrison, I said this before, you are a remarkable young man. Uh, you have a very bright future. Uh, I'm honored that you said yes, and so we could have this amazing conversation. Keep pushing. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually blown away by how mature you actually really are. <laughs> <laughs> at such a young age and it's actually a very big blessing so i appreciate you for all that you're doing uh it really does like guys in their 40s and older we see that and we're like at least we know that the the world is in good hands so thank you yeah thanks john appreciate those words going through hard times is just a test what you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or a good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with your friends and family members. If you know of someone who is suffering from depression, please share this with them as well, as it may help them realize that there is help out there and that they are not alone. Also, please be so kind and give us a five-star rating on wherever you may be listening and some comments as your feedback is highly appreciated. Thank you again for supporting our mission to speak out and find solutions about men's mental health issues. And stay tuned for more amazing stories from real people that are just like you.